Father, anoint this man's tongue to speak your word in truth and power. Bless him now in Jesus' name. We honor him as a man of God. In the same way, Jesus, we, didn't, we don't see Jesus as a carpenter, son of Joseph. We see him as the son of God. And Tom, we don't see you after the flesh. We see you as a man called of God, called to be a minister of the gospel, a saint, called to equip the saints. So we bless you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. folks. How are we all? Going well? So this sermon is titled, For God so loved that he gave, and for we so love that we go. Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. I think that's a fairly good place to start. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to our King. Universal Unrestricted, unlimited authority. He is the King of Kings. On that basis, he says to us, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I'm hoping to communicate to you in this message um, the desire of my heart to pass on and give away all that I've received and for that to be a continual flow, like a, you know, it's a, a relationship that fills me up, that empowers me, that teaches me who I am and who the Father is in order to give it away. Because that's his nature. He's so loved that he gave. And so in giving that away, I want to be someone who goes. He says in, in his high priestly prayer in John 17, Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them, so they can be made holy by your truth. So that's before he goes to the cross. And so now we are made holy by his truth. And he prays not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world may believe you sent me. It's like Russian dolls, isn't it? Who, who's in who? How do, there's a lot of people in people in this verse, but there's this, you know, 
the Father is in Jesus, and he's in us, and we're in him, and we're all one big happy family. So, I'm, I just love that this, this love that is shared between the Father and the Son, that's the same love that we are called to experience. The same love that the Lord has for Jesus is the same love he has for us and that we're supposed to have for each other. Because he doesn't just want us to go out of some kind of obligation. He wants to just completely inspire us with his love and his goodness so that we can't contain it. I have given them the glory that you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. That's what we've been invited into. O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do, and these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. So our inspiration and our stirring to go is always based on this love that we have, this relationship. We love because he first loved us. It's not something that can be um, imitated. There's no counterfeit. It's the real thing or it's nothing. It's a relationship with God. It's a love encounter. It's a personal, living presence. So in 2 Corinthians 5, Paul calls us ambassadors for Christ. I'm quite confident being the ambassador for somebody who has all authority in heaven and in earth, on earth. It's a good person to be an ambassador for, hey? And picking up in verse 14, for Christ's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on we regard no one according to the flesh. And often we, even it was mentioned this morning, no, this afternoon, knowing one another according to the Spirit. Dave just prayed for me, knowing me according to the Spirit. We're actually called to know everyone according to their destiny. When we find ourselves in, you know, in dark places communicating with people who 
don't yet know what is in store for them in the Lord. We don't see them according to the brokenness we find them in. We see them in, in relation to the great hope that we know that they have in the Lord. We see them according to everything that the Lord wants to pour out in their life and how he wants to transform them. You know, as Christians, we only have a destiny. It's the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And so as we like engage with people, we're not judging them from where they're at. We're loving them according to their created destiny. It goes on to say, we once regarded Christ in this way. Many people who, who met him just thought, oh, he's just a, a man, he's just a prophet, he's a human. We do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciliation is a big word in Aboriginal Australia. It gets banded around a lot. You know, we... we Rightfully so. We have a lot of work to do in that place. You know, we're trying to close the gap and restore dignity to a colonized people. But the only true reconciliation is in Christ to God. That's true reconciliation. Just ask Bunambir. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. God made him who knew no sin be sin on our behalf so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I just love this. He's making his appeal through us. Isn't that crazy? We're actually now the ones called to go to the ends of the earth to seek and save the lost. We've taken on the mantle. He was the firstborn among many brothers and sisters who were called to this ministry. So we get to roll with it. And that's the love of the Father. When, when a missionary goes to the ends of the earth, that's the love of the Father, isn't it? That's not some scheme that they come up with. That's the love of the Father filling their heart with his heart for the lost and sending them into the far corners of, of the globe. Are there corners of a globe? That's how you confuse an Irishman, isn't it? I believe that there's a God-shaped hole in everyone's hearts. And regardless of where they stand or what they think or what they believe or how ready they are, there's, there's no thing made that can fulfill that place 
C.S. Lewis said, if I find in myself desires nothing in this world can satisfy, I can only conclude that I was not meant for here. St. Augustine said, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Rest is a priceless commodity. In a world that's like racked with all sorts of anxiety, to just know who you are, to have peace with yourself and peace with God, to be able to rest, to stop striving, to stop feeling like you have to do something. I mean, this message is all about going, but the Father has absolutely no expectation that any of us will go in order to receive something. We're not trying to earn something by going. We're going because we can't not. We're going because... That's his nature, and we've been joined in one spirit to the Lord, so it's our nature too. And it's like his love for us as it's unveiled in our hearts. We're like, there's, there's no natural response to the experiencing the love of the Father than to lay down your life. It's the only natural response. You encounter the love of God, and you're just like, oh, I trust you, I give you everything. You're, he's that good. <laughs> I can to- it's like when I speak to my students at school, I'm, you know, often because I work in a Christian school, I get free reign in sharing the gospel and teaching, and it becomes really familiar at times. I'm just like, I so, I know that if you were to just follow, if you were to just trust, you will be so satisfied. You will not be disappointed from trusting the Lord. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, with whom there is no change or shifting shadow. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we be a kind of first fruits of his creation. I, I really do acknowledge in my life that it's such a gift. I was in such a different place. I was so far away. I, I, I could have ended up a very different person in a very different place. But thanks be to God. That I am where I am. Everything is a gift. He's so good. I think all of us could say the same. So acknowledging that, you know, we're called to be salt and light. We're called to be sown into the world around us. We're called to be invested in. We're called to go. You are not, sorry, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. 
Instead, they set it on a lampstand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your heavenly Father. My heart is not weary, it's light and it's free. I've got nothing but affection for all who sail with me. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. We, we have a responsibility to let to, to not just be like in our Christian cocoon, in our bubble of church, because we're, so, we're such a blessed people. We're living the blessed life. We have a good father. You know, Dave shared a message and shared a word on how, um, how, how does it go? When, when someone gets in trouble, they think, oh, no, my father's going to find out. And when we get in trouble, we're like, I better call my father. Like he just is so good. He wants to be involved. And we've just got this incredible blessing. Like I read Psalm 16 before, like he makes the paths of life known to us. It's like my, my mission in life is to convince people that they, this is the path to go on. They'll never be disappointed. The fullness of joy, pleasures forevermore. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. All that is within me, bless his holy name. And do not forget all his kind deeds. He who forgives all your iniquities and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with loving devotion and compassion, who satisfies you with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. We have got such precious things to, to share and in, to invite people into. Righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit, hey? Right standing, peace and joy. So this invitation into the secret place. The Father says that he goes before us to prepare a place for us. There is room in his house for every single person on the earth. He's extended the invitation and he continues to do so. And to me, that verse that talks about his house my father's house are many rooms. It speaks to me of that place of intimacy, that place of his presence, that place of encounter. It's not a, um, just understanding a theological fact, you know, getting the doctrine right. It's actually about a relationship. It's about a revelation in your heart which is experiential. It's about ongoing, intimate, and experiential relationship with God. 
And I love that um, Carla mentioned it before when she was talking about prayer. The secret place is everybody can withdraw to that room in the Father's house. I don't think it's talking about like a big mansion in heaven where we're all going to have to live on top of one another. I think it's about we can just be hidden in that place of prayer. Second Corinthians 4 talks about the treasure in earthen vessels. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now we have this treasure in, jo- this treasure in jars of clay to show that this surpassingly great power is from God and not from us. I felt to spend a bit of time just looking at some verses that actually unpack the heart of the Father and just to express um, how the Bible communicates God's desire for us to be in a relationship with Him. So in 2 Peter 3.9, it talks about, The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promises, as some understand slowness, but is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. In Ezekiel 33, verse 11, he says, As surely as I live, declares the Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that the wicked should turn from their ways and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways, for why should you die? We know that the Lord is drawing all men unto himself and the Father's heart is for every single person. We can be assured when we look into the eyes of our brothers and sisters, you will never look into the eyes of a person that the Lord doesn't love. You will never look into the eyes of someone who Jesus didn't die for. It's the heart of the Father that Jesus was the one who was sown into the earth to reveal the heart of the Father for a lost humanity. And isn't it crazy that we're invited to be part of that? We're invited to be the ones who go and be sown into the earth to see the lost people come home. And he came to seek and save those who are lost. I mean, who needs a doctor? I think it's so pivotal that we, you know, we're here to like enjoy one another and enjoy our church community. And I absolutely love that we get to do that and celebrate. But our focus shouldn't be on the church. Our focus should be from this place, like out into the community so that we could share and we could unpack this precious gift with as many people as we can possibly get to share it with. 
First Timothy 2 calls us to pray on behalf of our fellow men and women. First of all, then, I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be offered on behalf of all men. For kings and all those in authority, so that we may lead tranquil and quiet lives in all good godliness and dignity. This is the good and ple- this is good and pleasing in the sight of God our Saviour, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Like he spared nothing. We uh, gathered here on um, Good Friday and we watched The Passion of the Christ. And man, that's an incredibly intense movie. And uh, I believe that they actually had to dial it back. I mean, they, they did an incredible, like the, the way that Jesus was just brutally bashed and uh, tortured in the lead up to his crucifixion. It was like he was unrecognizable by the time that they were through with him. He's crawling down the Via Dolorosa. He can't even carry his cross because he's just so messed up. And it just brings home like there's nothing that he wouldn't do to make us feel his love. He held nothing back. He literally crawled up the road at points. It was crazy. So now the Lord's making his appeal through us and sending us and calling us to pray. And in the Great Commission, we're told to go into all the world, preaching the gospel to every creature, I hasten to add. I'd love to be like St. Francis of Assisi and just have animals that are just wild, but they're like completely tame around me. So you've just got, you know, black cockatoo just flies and lands on your shoulder and all the different parrots and kangaroos hopping along. That'd be so cool, wouldn't it? You should check out St. Francis of Assisi. Apparently, like, he was like that. Referring again to Carla's message earlier, Acts 1, verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So it's up to you. I think it's worth mentioning that it's Jesus who's drawing all men unto himself. And actually the Holy Spirit is at work in the earth. And he's talking to people. He's engaging with people. He's, you know, he's softening their hearts and preparing them to receive the truth. He's at work in people's lives, even if they've never stepped into a church or met a Christian. The Holy Spirit is at work in people's lives. And we have no idea when at, uh, where we come in the, in the timeline of someone's journey or their interactions, but we are at every moment called to represent the heart of the Father to that person and keep 
inviting them and representing the true nature of the Father. Especially in a culture and a society where so often Christians are horribly misrepresented as being judgmental people who are like there to just condemn and point out what's wrong with people. There's nowhere in the gospel that Jesus is ever like that. It's a complete misrepresentation of the Father. No one likes being misrepresented. So, the heartbeat for our community is that we would have an amazing community, that we would wrap a warm embrace around anyone who steps in here on a Sunday and that people would experience the love of God. But we just really want to have that outward focus. You know, Jesus came, what's the verse? Came to save the world, <laughs> not the church. How do we say that? Jesus is the light of the world, not the church. That's what I was trying to say. I just think it's such a good position to be in. Like, when your focus is, what can I do out there? How can I come alive? What's God calling me to do? No one else can do what you've been called to do. No one else has your special source. No one can bring what you bring to the team. So it's about us as a, as a family and in our own lives having that, where, Lord? This is such an incredible gift. How can I keep it under wraps? How can I hide my light under a basket? It's not meant to be that way. I know that as a Christian in my life, I've felt that way. I'm living the blessed life, and it's not really going, getting out much. It just seems wrong. It's not, it's not natural. It's not natural to hoard all your treasures and keep them hidden. You want to spend it on everyone and shout this and that, and just, you know, it just wants to be lavish. The Father, that's what he's like. So, what does it look like for you? It's a question I guess only you can answer. As a community, we do outreach, we go corporately, we do things. There's things available to get involved in and jump on board. And you're more than welcome, you know, at all times to be part of stuff that we do. But ultimately, it's a lifestyle, not an event. Like, it's a way of living. Um, so we, we just believe that the, you know, the yeast of the kingdom is, is going to infiltrate everything that you do when you're living as a son or daughter, as you're abiding in his love, as you're living from that place of rest. It's just going to, it just happens. It's the nature of the kingdom that it would permeate and that it would impact society and culture. There's a really good book out there that I encourage you all to read called As You Go, Make Disciples. And it's a really fantastic resource and guide to actually what um, I think the church is designed to look like in relation to connecting with our community and going. Um, the, the guy who wrote it is a guy called Colin Noyes. I've got a, a quote from the book. He says, we need strong non-religious, non-institutionalized, multiplying, creative, spirit-compelled disciples of Jesus on the loose in our nation. 
How good is that? Come on. And the nations of the world. He quoted another guy in there called Dallas Willard, and this is a really great way of helping us to understand what going could look like for us. As a disciple, I am learning from Jesus to live my life as he would live if he were I. I am not necessarily learning to do everything he did, but I am learning how to do everything in the manner in which he did all that he did. More Russian dolls, isn't it? I think it's also worth remembering that it's actually the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. It's his goodness, his kindness, his love that causes us to change our ways, change our way of thinking. You'll never encounter the love of the Father and not go away changed. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, clothes you... Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I want to finish with a story. That was written by Ernest Hemingway. And I think that this story really just beautifully communicates, um, I guess, what's going on in the world. It's a story of a father and a son named Paco, who had been estranged for some reason. As a result, Paco ran away from home. No one could really say why he ran away. Perhaps he didn't, but was kicked out of home by his father for something foolish that he'd done. Either way, Paco found himself wandering the streets of Madrid, Spain, hoping to enter into a profession that would most likely get him killed, bullfighting. Those who train under a mentor have a good chance of surviving this profession, but Paco's memory of his mistakes and his guilt over what had happened blindly drove him to this one-way street. But that was the last thing that his father wanted, which is why he tried something desperate, which he desperately hoped would work. There was little to no chance that he would be able to find Paco by wandering the streets of Madrid. It's a big city. So instead, he put an announcement in the local newspaper, El Liberal. The advertisement read, Paco, meet me at the Hotel Montana at noon on Tuesday. All is forgiven. Love, Papa. At the time of the meeting... When Paco's father got to the hotel, he wasn't prepared for what he was about to see. Because Paco was such a common name in Spain, a nickname for Francisco, 
the next day at noon, there were 800 young men with the same man waiting for their fathers, waiting for the forgiveness that they would receive that day. Hearts are hungry. The deepest desire of our hearts is to be reconciled to our Heavenly Father. He's a good Father. And we just get to be part of that. We get to represent the Father and help bring people into the encounter with His love and to reveal the Father to them. I'm going to close in prayer and I just want to invite anyone, you guys, to just engage with the reality of the Father's heart and to know that it's, it's the Father who loves. It. This, this whole thing comes out of the Father's love for us. For God so loved the world that he sent his beloved Son. Jesus, I thank you for this meeting, for this opportunity to share. I pray, Lord, that we would orientate our hearts, Lord, as you did, to seek and to save the lost. And I pray for each one of us, Lord, that you would reveal to us, help us to know ourselves and to know our part in the story in order to know where we best serve and the best way for us to do what you've called us to do. I thank you, Father, that we get to first and foremost experience your love, to live in an intimate relationship with you, aware of the fact that we cannot give away something we haven't received ourselves. We can't We don't want to sell some idea or promote some way of thinking. We want to manifest the love of God that is in our hearts because we abide in you and you in us. Father, I just pray that for all those men and women out there who are longing to meet with their Father and to be reconciled that you would make a way in this city, God, and that you would give us strategies and blueprints from heaven to make that possible. Amen. Thanks, Tom. Man, what was that story? Was it you, Paco? Wow. Thanks, Tom. So that you know, what we're doing is orientating each of us outward, because that's what we feel like the Lord's speaking to us again about. Tom had a really good comment the other day. He said to me, "I feel like in our community we need more oxen in the stables." And if you know that proverb, it says something to the effect of when, when there's no ox in the, the stable's clean. 
and we want to disciple our city, we want to disciple individuals, and we want to go outwards. So thanks so much, Tom, for succinctly sharing that heart, going because he's first gone for us. Amen? Amen. Well, again, as Tom said, this here space here is available for anyone that wants prayer. We love you. God bless you. 8 p.m.